Hello and welcome to Off the Roll. I'm your host, Troy Hirschman. On today's podcast, we have a special guest, Brian Jones. Brian is the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Health and Wellness at the University of Toledo. He's a graduate of Ball State University in 1995 from the Athletic Training Education Program. And most recently, he was named the NCAA Division I Head Athletic Trainer of the Year by the National Athletic Trainers Association Intercollegiate Council for Sports Medicine. It's Brian's got a really great story, and um, I think you're going to find it interesting. It, it kind of matches up a little bit with a lot of uh, people that we've had on the podcast, and he's crossed paths with some folks that have been on the podcast previously. Um, so it was great to have Brian on. Um, I know that he's been out there uh, talking about this a little bit on social media, so hopefully it kind of uh, meets the the anticipation that he has and everybody else that's been an audience of the podcast. So let's go off the roll with Brian Jones. We're going off the roll today with Brian Jones. Brian is the uh, Senior Associate Athletic Director for Health and Wellness at the University of Toledo. Also, this year's NATA Intercollegiate Council for Sports Medicine Division One Head Athletic Trainer of the Year. So we're fortunate to have Brian on the podcast today. Brian, how you doing? Wonderful, Troy. I appreciate the opportunity to join you. I've listened to a lot of these and uh, been uh, anxiously awaiting my call. And uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's anxiously or unanxiously, but I'm here. Yeah, no, it's um, this is going to be awesome. Um, and uh, I think that it's going to be you're, you're just the personality that we needed to have on this podcast to uh to get some stuff going. So most, most of we're going to have some fun with this, but, um, but really what, what I want to get started with for you is, is how did you get started in athlete training? Kind of what's your story with, with how you got going? Yeah. You know, that, that backstory is something that still to this day, I'm, I'm very, very proud of. And, and how, how it happened is, is, uh, you know, I, I crazy to think I the, our our beat writer here at Toledo uh, in our local newspaper just uh, did an article as well on that uh, humbling award that you just talked about and asked the same question and it, it was a, a, a kind of a difficult road to remember at first because how I got started was is you know I was a, a probably a freshman in high school and uh, I was uh, in the car with my mom and my sister on the way back uh, in our lovely little hometown of Laporte, Indiana, up in the northwest corner. And uh, my mom uh, was driving and I was in the back seat. My sister was in the front and uh, we were T-boned as we came through the intersection by a guy that ran the stop sign. Wow. And uh, got in a pretty bad accident uh, to the point where luckily my sister and I were okay, but my mom was pretty messed up. Um, You know, we ended up uh, actually fracturing a couple vertebrae in her back through that accident. And, um, uh, you know, uh, ended up being, you know, needing surgery and then obviously started rehab at our local hospital. And it was just so happened that my grandfather for years was the principal of our high school uh, that I grew up in and, and knew the athletic trainer there that was actually there at LaPorte High School through the, uh, the, the local hospital. And just so happened that that athletic trainer started working with my mom in the physical therapy clinic and knew my grandfather and this and that and whatever. And kind of one thing led to the next. And, you know, I was a football manager and a basketball manager and did all those managerial tasks. And the next thing I know, I've got my mom and my grandfather talking to me about, you know, a guy by the name of John Coddington. 
And, uh, you know, John was an unbelievable mentor for me. I learned so much about athletic training. Uh, I learned so much about being a better man and a better person, um, you know, through him. And, you know, started talking about what am I going to do in the future? And, and I really enjoyed what we did. And John said, well, then you need to go to Ball State. And I said, you know, well, listen, I, I'd be the only one in my family that hasn't gone to IU or Purdue, right? So yeah. uh, I ended up uh, coming up to visit uh, a couple times with, with uh, John to, and had an opportunity uh, to work some Paralympic games and, and White River Park State games when Neil and Rex yeah. and everybody used to be involved in those and Mike Ferrara and, and had really had an opportunity to kind of bridge that gap and, and meet those folks. And uh, it was an eye-opening experience that gave me a kind of an early insight to the history and tradition of Ball State and Next thing you know, you graduate from uh, uh, high school in 91 and you end up as a freshman and, you know, five, you know, four years later, by, by the time you graduate in 1995, uh, you know, the, the history and impact of, of the Ball State program will be forever in my heart. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you didn't take a, you, you made the, you made the right decision from the start. You didn't have to go to Purdue first and then Jim Russ going, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing you need to go to I look back on those days sometimes you know and like I said I I I wonder you know between my my aunts and uncles and you know all the education degrees and mom's nursing degree at Purdue and whatever I was it was kind of nice to step outside the box and chart your own course so you'd end up you know being at the same spot as your family and I think in the end uh that impact was was uh, you know of the folks that have influenced my career. Uh, I, I think it, it goes beyond just the the, the expand the expansions of athletic training. Yeah. When when you were at Ball State, what was what was the first what was the first sport that you worked at Ball State? Boy, Troy, you know I don't know. I, all I remember is this. You know, the first year that I was there, we were still in the basement of the health center as because yeah. uh, we were building, um, uh, you know, building the uh, arena. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did my rotations over there and out of ball gym. And I remember to myself, my, like, my goodness, is this what I'm getting myself into? You know, Rex used to work out with the ceiling tiles gone above the hair because you stood on the, the stair yeah. stepper and your head yeah. was in the ceiling. In the, in the box. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, that first year, I, I don't remember to be quite honest when I got in the program as a sophomore, but, you know, I think if I look back through those times, you know, I spent time with our, uh, uh, you know, our, our football program, um, our field hockey program, uh, worked with obviously with Tony and men's basketball, which is, you know, obviously where I found my niche, um, had the opportunity to work field hockey, I think I just said, and, you know, men's and women's track and field. Um, so I really had a, a pretty good array of experiences why I was, was at Ball State, and each one of those influenced me in a different manner, right? I mean, uh, you, you have just like I tell my young staff today, you have positive and negative. Everything you do experience is an experience. Might be a positive experience that directs you in one way, but it might be a negative experience that tells you what not to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I navigated that road uh, and had my share of ups, ups and downs uh, the three years I was in that program at, at, at Ball State. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I teased you later on the, or earlier on this year that you made it into the Ball State Athletic Hall of Fame at least in a, as a member of the field hockey team, <laughs> which, which again, there's not any really athletic trainers that are in the hall. It's, I think it's Tony was the only other one. Cause I think they inducted the, you know, the sweet 16 team in there. And, um, 
So you're you're in you know whether whether it was official or not, you're in some pretty good company uh, with that. I, I so. think I had a lot more hair in that picture as well, though, than I do. No, today. you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. You look well. We all look like we got more hair in those pictures. It's okay. Yeah, we all we all did. You know, that's 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 fine. exactly right. But um, but no, that's I think you're right. I mean, I think that the the way things were set up back then, it did provide um opportunity to number one be on your own number two when you earn i mean earn the right to be on your own and number two um you you learned how to have to think on your feet and and make decisions which um eventually translated into those bigger decisions when you were in bigger roles as a ga or a staff person or whatever and and there wasn't this kind of we all we all i think we all went through some level of imposter syndrome if that's what they call it now you know yeah like like holy crap crap you know i can't believe i'm out here by myself and i don't have a safety net but you easily got over that because you were just so in it so much so quickly that you had to kind of do that and i think you know rob hunt talked about that a little bit i can't even think of the quote that he used it was better than fake it till you make it it was better it was a better quote than that and i can't even think of it now but but it was true i mean we were all trying to well, and stuff. I think, Troy, the, the, the thing that, that I know, always still recall is, is that they put us on our own, right? Uh, but well, they put us on our own, but never left us hanging high and dry, right? Right. Because you proved yourself to your mentor, to your supervisor, to your whomever, what title you want to call them, whatever the hell it is called this day. Um, but they gave you just enough rope and they may dangle you over the edge, but they never let you go. Yeah. And you I always felt and even in those scenarios where you were you never felt unattached. Like I always knew that 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 someone was maybe not directly looking over my shoulder, but they also knew exactly what I was doing. And and then that may right. have been a communication issue or things like that. But, you know, we've we've come a long way in our profession. There's no doubt about that. I I, I I think we could do a whole nother podcast series on whether or not we think what we've done in, in, in our educational world is, is, was the right decision or not. You know, I, I have my opinion and, you know, hell, we could talk about it, but I don't think it, that that doesn't change where we are today. Right. But what does change where we are today is, is what I'm significantly concerned about is, is the future of athletic healthcare. How do we find a way to, 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 to as athletic trainers and in the healthcare setting and in collegiate athletics, find a way to shift the, 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 the mode from the old school model, which was run and run well, to a new healthcare delivery model. Right. And then find an athletic trainer that number one is willing to work that hard. Number two, that's willing to accept, you know, the pay, which we know we got to get better. And I think we are slowly but surely. Yeah. But three is the experience level that you just talked about. I mean, I'm hiring an entry level grad right now and that entry-level grad is not the entry-level grad that I hired a few years ago because right. the experiences are simply not there. Yeah. And so we'll get there, but we've got an athletic healthcare delivery problem of how do we get that person, that new entry-level grad, more experienced to be able to make those decisions. And, and we're going to have to work through that together as a profession and, and together as mentors and, and find a way because what I really, really bothers me is those kids that are graduating and I sound like here we are, like we're ancient and old, right, Troy? But they, they're not having the experiences that you and I had as a student. Right. They're just yeah. not. Yeah, there's there's very much a, a sheltered 
I don't want to say sheltered. There, there's more of a, you know, it's funny. I remember when direct supervision came into play and we were all like, oh, we had to sit here and supervise these kids. We're not going to let them do anything and all this stuff. And we found a happy medium somewhere. You know, we right. eventually it took a little while, but we found that. And now we're at this place where, um, you know, rotations in these intra level master's programs are different. And I understand why they're doing them. And, and they're, they're trying to find a way to get them more experience or try to, you know, those second, those capstone experiences or whatever they call them, you know, with that. And, and I'm not as familiar with that because I haven't been participating in that the last couple of years in our program. But the, but you're right. I mean, there is something to be said for, um, to, to really put yourself out on that island. Like, and the, you said it the best. I mean, you, you were not, you were left to your own devices, but you weren't left supportless. You were, there was always somebody you could turn, you could get a hold of, especially in this day and age, that you can ask a question or you can connect with or something like that. And, um, Unfortunately, like what you just talked about is that their next experience with that is like for real. They are getting paid to do this. And now the pressure's on. And, and that's right. where I think it's unfortunate is that, you know, we have to figure out a way, like you talked about, to mentor these young athletic trainers to the point where they do feel supported. But at the same time, we're giving them a chance to, to, to grow and develop. But like you said, I'm not sure sometimes the best situation is the model that we have. We try to, you know, you're in a position where you can plug people in where you think they would be successful at. And, and I think that's the thing about it is, is, is trying to plug those people in where you think they're going to be successful at with their skill set and trying to make the best judgment possible with that. And, and, uh, you know, the other thing that concerns me too, like you talked about concern is that we are losing at the collegiate level, experienced athletic trainers now, either through retirement or they're getting out of the business or whatever. And so what are we hiring? We're hiring people with three to four years of experience that may not have that savvy that somebody like myself or you have over the years to do that. And, and how is that getting, is that model getting better? I don't know. I don't know. Right. But yeah, I think we're all going to have to continue to work together and there's got to be openness. Right. And and, and for folks that push real hard on one scenario, if it doesn't work, we got to realize that it doesn't. Let's go back and reevaluate it. Let's, right. let's find a way to work through this together. Um, you know, uh, I, I think I pushed back extremely hard and, and I lost, but then I fell in line. But I, but I also was not going to let my voice go silent on the fact that I really feel that these kids have, our, our young athletic trainers have to get that experience. And I just don't know where they're going to get it. And then, you know, of course, you get yelled at if you offer a residency or an intern, yeah. um, you know, uh, or whatever by the powers that be. And, and it just I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I'm, I, I, I just had a meeting with my new athletic director and, you know, we ha we had some discussions on a lot of things. And one of the things I asked him on the way out, I said, you know, you've heard talk to a lot of people, you know, you, you, you're doing your listening tour. What is it right now you're hearing about our program that I can work on and I can fix? And his answer was, Brian, there's nothing, but here's what I am concerned about. I'm concerned about your profession in the future of college athletics and what it's going to look like. And he hit it exactly head on. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of good out of that, Troy, and a lot of bad out of that. Right. Um, you know, I, I look back as to, you know, the athletic health care that they want us to deliver at a, at a you know, mid-major institution in the Mid-American Conference is getting paid at one level. 
and the same healthcare at the power five level is getting paid at a different. Well, my point is this, the level of healthcare delivery at that power five level is no different than the level of healthcare. Right. You know, you're not asking me to provide a mid-major power five or mid-major healthcare delivery system. You want that to be top notch. Well, then why are we paying different? Right. right. I mean, so I think our model is all messed up and we've yeah. got to take a serious look at that. And I think we're, we're starting that process, but look what happened with concussion. Look what happened with a medical model in general of athletics, right? I mean, it used to be the football coach changed and you got a new head athletic trainer. Well, that's typically not the case anymore. It still is some places right. in, in, in the old historic models, right? But we that doesn't happen overnight. So for, for a young generation that thinks that like that, yeah. we're going to make this change, it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But it takes vocal critics and people like you and I and those folks that are willing to push hard to get this change it's going to take some time, but everybody's going to, have to be patient because we still have to deliver healthcare to our student athletes. Yeah. The, the ball still gets thrown up. It gets kicked in over in kids jump in the pool. They run around a track. Somebody's got to provide that healthcare. And if we don't, that's what scares the hell out of me right now is, is who's going to be there to take care of those kids when they go into heat exhaustion, when my, right. you know, computer screams at me that it's 99 degrees outside, with, you know, how many <laughs> yeah. humidity or whatever the hell else it's screaming at me right now. So boy it, it just put it this way if, if you and i were 22 again i'm not sure i do the same thing as much as i love this profession right now and and it's nothing set against what we've done because i think the impact that folks that you and i know and hopefully you and i together have right right i'm concerned i just i don't know what's going to happen and I, I i just hope and pray that, that that this works itself out and i'll be a vocal advocate as we navigate the road yeah, it's it's definitely um, um, I, you know, and I think what you you talked about is like the healthcare delivery um, is not any different. I think the only thing different is is the demands on a smaller staff or or demands for resources. I mean, I'm I'm going through that right now a little bit with with a new head basketball coach. I mean, he has expectations from where his previous two places, you know. He's long forgotten about Eastern Illinois, right. <laughs> but, 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 and trying to help him understand that I'm, I'm more than willing to try to do some things to meet what you think the perspective should be here. But at the same time, I'm only one person and I'm limited to what I can provide in that capacity without staying here 24 seven. And yep. at my age, I'm not doing that. So yeah, too bad. No, that's, that, and we shouldn't, right? I think we yeah. gave up on that a long time ago, right? I mean, the, the, the fact that the matter is, is that we're not here to eat, sleep and live in this facility. I mean, there's a right. care and cover, there's a care versus coverage model. And I think, I do think in college athletics, you're starting to see that, 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 that paradigm shift into more of a, we're going to there, we're there to provide care and not coverage. I'm not going to sit in the training room and twiddle my thumbs. Right. Um, you know, and so uh, I, I think that is changing. But we'll get there. I mean, put it this way, we'll get there or we'll die fighting because yeah. uh, we're going to keep trying to push. Um, you know, I, the thing that I say all the time, though, that I just desperately miss is I miss that interaction with students. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I had I for the first 27, you know, 15 plus years here at the university, I was very, very fortunate to travel a student with me with men's basketball everywhere we went whether it was to Florida, to Puerto Rico for a trip, to California, to whatever, I had a, a student athletic trainer with me. And those, what, as I said, 
I look back on my career now and the things that they say when I win this award that I'm very humbled yeah. about, but it's more what those kids say of an impact that I've made on their careers. You know, one of my former students is the currently the athletic trainer for my kids at our local high school. Yeah. She says things all the time that literally make me tear up and you know everybody knows i cried to drive up the hat anyway but it's 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 unbelievably moving to me to see that and that impact to me doesn't matter what i've done it's not about me it's about the impact that we've made in the communities and the athletic training students that we've graduated and when i hear the stories they've done and the impact that they've made in their own communities to me that that's the pinnacle of my career yeah no, and that's very well done in that capacity because I think that's the thing. I think you're right. I think that's what we all miss. We miss being impactful on somebody that's going to impact somebody else. I mean, in, in, a, in a really reality type situation, that's one of the reasons that we all got into this too, especially at the level that we're at, was to, to, to be able to mentor and impact student athletic trainers or athletic training students, however you want to put it, in a way that, that you knew – that if you had a very good one, that they were going to go out in the world and provide very good health care to whatever population that they would be working with. And, and it always, I agree with you. I mean, I have students out there working at the high school level and stuff that, 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 um, that I follow on Facebook or they'll talk about an injury or something like that. And I go, yeah, that's exactly what I would have done. And, yeah. and you know, that, that and it's not like you're patting yourself on the back. You just, there's like, there's a knowing that, that, it's um that it's it's okay and and it's a, it's a good it you've you've made a difference right probably on down the line but you've made a difference and i think that's, that's exactly the right. biggest thing because it's twofold for us i mean that was the big thing about it is that you took care of your student athletes and and you get to watch them go off and and do all sorts of great stuff as athletes that are graduating from your university and then there were the athletic training students that you'd work with that would go off and start their careers and, and do all that stuff. So, yeah. Amen. Well, listen, um, so in your time, we're going to, we're going to keep moving through your career here, but in your time at Ball State, you were, you were part of a group of, uh, and a class of some very interesting characters that also went on to do awesome stuff in the profession of athletic training. Um, let's go through this. We got Trent Trump at Kent State now. Um, you got Rob Hunt. Stratton. Trent, Trent Stratton. Oh, yeah. You got the wrong oh, Trent. You got the wrong Trent. Now I'm going to hear You got to rewind this. that tape. Yeah, I'm going to hear <laughs> You know what the great thing about this? I can edit that out. So he'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Trent Stratton at Kent State. Yes. Um, I, I always think of that picture on the wall in, in, the, in the, the Miller Athletic Training Center. So it's Stratton at Kent State. You got Rob Hunt now at Notre Dame. Scott Kinner at Wyoming, um, Mike Miller, Detroit. Um, 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 we could say Trent Trump at Crown Point High School. We can say that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And basically almost a college campus in its own way. Um, I'm trying to think who else is, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody and I forget. Um, but, but to me, that is, you know, that was the pinnacle of Rex's tenure here when it came to student athletic trainers of people that were going on and doing, um, outstanding stuff um, at, at, a, at a high level uh, with that. And, and um, any of those, any stories about those guys in your time? 
you know, I, I look back safe. on I, I look back on those days, and and it, it is it, we laugh and we laughed a lot. We got into a lot of you know shen- we had a lot of shenanigans. We had a lot of trouble. Um, we did some things that uh, I probably wouldn't do again. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with a right sound mind now knowing what I know now. Um, but I, as I as I look back on that, I I, I think to navigate the road we did with some difficult scenarios with our preceptors, with our, the staff at the time, you know, I'm not sure I want to get into that and I'm not oh, sure no, we don't either. Have and it's probably, no. it's probably not worth it. But, but my point is this though, is, is that what we navigated during that time together as a group, and you look at the class before and the class after us, right? I mean, you look at Billy Calgill graduated with me before, you know, and, and I mean, you, you look at uh, the class that was mentored on us and that we mentored behind us. Boy, these folks, I mean, what, 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 what Ball State put together, I mean, you'd think that Rex and Neil and Tony were recruiting, right? I mean, yeah. folks, folks chose to come to Ball State, but right. you think that we, they were recruiting because they wanted to try to get the best of the best and to, to get us all together. And, and who knew at the time, right? I mean, right. I oh, had yeah. no idea at the time where I'd end up. I mean, I, 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 had, I had no freaking clue. Um, and I don't think a lot of other folks did either. Um, and, and, you know, you graduate from there, you lean on those experiences and then you find your niche, right? I mean, uh, and, uh, that niche is different from everybody. Um, I I respect the hell out of Trent Trump and Mark Leto and, and, and Mark Lahr and those guys that, and, 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 uh, you know, uh, Angie, uh, God Lord, her last name just disappeared. Angie Miller. Uh, Angie Miller. Um, you know, the, the impact that they've made in their high schools and what they've built, Christ's sake, they've done more at their place than I've done here. I mean, we've done a lot here, but they've done it by themselves, you know, and, 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 you know, I look at Rob, I mean, I, Rob, Rob has been an unbelievable career, but you know, you and I laugh. I mean, I'm trying to buy a, 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 you know, a hundred dollar box of band-aids and, (laughs) you know, Rob pulls that out of his front right pocket. Right. I mean, yeah. So we've all we've all navigated the ro- a different road, but I'll tell you what, they're in one of us that works harder or doesn't provide the same level of health care or didn't come from the same background and very humble beginnings. But we all worked hard together and we had fun. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, the stories, I think there are a lot of them, but I, I think that the thing that I really take really good, you know, I, I lay my head on the pillow and think, you know, we had some fun. But those guys are always in our corner, guys and girls both. Yeah. Like they're in, I think you know this, that Cardinal Ring of Honor, they're in anybody in that group that I couldn't pick up the phone and call if I got myself into a predicament and right. they'd help me through it. Um, yeah. And there are a lot of folks out there that have those type of things. They may have one or two, but, you know, they may not have 30 like we have. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's the thing that um, it always, I, I agree with you. It was very much people talk about family. Um, you know, and, and their colleagues, classmates, whatever, but it just seemed like, and Rex, Rex, Neil and Tony always did a great job of, of making sure that we got introduced to the Jim Dickersons who introduced us to so-and-so. And it's probably the same way with Coddington as you were progressing through stuff, he introduced you to Jim Ruthier and, and the people that were down the line with that. And, and yep. it just got to be, and, and once you were introduced and in, you were always in nobody, yep you were always somebody that that connected you got connected with and stuff and i think that's the thing that always made it really feel really solid was um 
that that it wasn't just you or your classmates it was everybody that came before and everybody that pretty much came after that that, that there was always connections with and and i think that's and it's, and it's nice to be able to say that you know trent you know is at a at a competing institution in our league 120 miles away i see him once or twice a year mike miller is 60 miles up the road mike and i uh, talk all the time um you know what what's really been fun is to know what we went through as as you know college students and now telling the stories and thinking to ourselves when we talk about our kids now getting into college going oh god i hope they don't do the same crazy <laughs> shit we did <laughs> so it all comes full circle so yeah. I, I know troy my, my my son just finished his freshman year here at toledo and uh, I talk, you know, Miller's got his kids are getting older, getting ready to go one graduate from high school soon. And yeah, trans girls. I mean, it literally gets to the point where it's like, man, how did it happen so fast? Yeah. You just blinked and it seemed like yesterday, you know, I was sitting right where you are today, you know, uh, with uh, with Rex, Tony and Neil and, you know, joking about things as a student. Yeah. Yeah. You're enjoying a spinouse and schlong of popcorn and yeah uh, and, absolutely uh, and some retson yeah chichi's chichi's uh and, and you talk about days oh my goodness don't exist anymore <laughs> you know i look back on those days every monday night with tex ritter yeah and chichi's and chili and chips and jill our waitress yeah i wonder what happened to that woman but i tell you what the stories and the impact that that made on monday nights to me yeah you take away all the other stuff in athletic training i learned more about becoming a human about becoming a man, about becoming a good person, yeah. sitting there at that bar on Monday nights than I did during anything else that we did in those yeah. three years I was in the yeah. program. You might even have my wife. She she filled in for Jill sometimes at Chi Chi's on Monday nights. Okay, that's yeah, how. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how that whole back in the day. Yeah, yeah. that's how it. That's how kind of how we. Well, it would have been a little bit later, but that's how we kind of met when okay. we were at St. Joe's. She's like, "Oh, you're an athlete trainer? Yeah, I went to Ball State." Did you go to Chi Chi's on Monday night? I'm like, yeah. She goes, I know all those guys. And I went, what? <laughs> Holy crap. And yeah, she didn't do that today. I'd probably get fired if I did oh, that today. Yeah, it's and I unfortunate. That. I, I mean, I, oh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, I remember, you know, um, getting a case of beer at the Green Jug and going to my house on Rex Street. And, and Rex and Neil and Tony were sitting there on my porch because we had a porch swing and we were sitting there till dark drinking beer. I mean, it's just, yeah, you can't do that these days. It's, it's unfortunate because you're right. You're exactly right that's when the informal education really happened. Like, like them sitting down with you, they couldn't sit down in the office, like where I'm at right now with a bunch of other students and sit down and tell you like, all right, you need to go here to grad school or yeah. you need to, you need to do this. They couldn't do that because somebody would perceive it as unfair or you're giving them an advantage or you need to call this guy at such and such high school because there's a job opening there. Um, that they could do that in those informal settings and you i mean and 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 you knew that you were kind of in a little bit with that and and they could do that then because it was just one-on-one -on -one at that time and well yeah and then and you know it, that was an opportunity to learn things that in this profession that unfortunately aren't taught and taught in textbooks right yeah. i mean we learned i learned more of the stuff that that allowed me to to make it an impact in my institution during those times than I did the other time. You know, I, I tell my staff all the time, I'm a average clinical athletic trainer at best. But what I am really good at to pat myself on the back is knowing where my resources are, how to use them, how to engage with people to get the job done. 
Yeah. And I'll be the first one to say it. I mean, you know, there are a lot better athletic trainers that have a hell of a lot better skills than I do, but I, I, I know how to get the job done and where do you lean on my resources? And I learned that by those interactions, you know, yeah. at Pete's duck in over a, a you know, a, a, a big ass pork fritter, yeah. the, the stories, those things, those trips, those lunch dates, you know, going to steak and shake and eating the chili Mac. I mean, we laughed. I mean, the pizza King, Euro King or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. King Euro. Yeah. yeah th <laughs> there it is. I mean, you know, those lunches to me were so fun. I mean, I wouldn't miss that for the world. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it, I learned and gained more from those and the relationships that I built. Um, like I said, I, I lean on that ball state family more today than I ever have before. Well, I was going to leave this till the end of the podcast, but I think this is a good segue to start off a little bit, but I'm going to give you a chance to rebuttal the golf club story. <laughs> oh Lord. You know, I, Troy, I gotta be honest with you here. It, there isn't a rebuttal. I got my ass whooped on that one. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what, I was mad as hell. Oh, I was so goddamn mad at them. And you know what? I still, I'm still mad at him. Um, uh, but I, I, they were hundred percent on, I mean, I was hoodwinked. I, and I think that honestly, that that might've been my first rotation. I think I was a sophomore working football and, one yeah. of and yeah. you know, we had so much fun. I mean, I, I remember at one point in time, you know, Tony Friesen during that year, he, he, he froze ice in JP Burford shoes in the freezer. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, we did crazy stuff that you just can't do today. Right. I mean, yeah. But, oh, yeah, I mean, I went I'm on that trip to Syracuse. And you know me. I mean, I'm, I'm if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Yeah. So I'm always early and everywhere. And I showed up and I threw my God blessed golf cubs right on that plane. And I had no idea. And I, to this day, we sat in that room. And I remember exactly where I was sitting. I mean, there were two beds, Tony, Rex, and Neil was in there. A few others, too. I can't remember who was all. And I was sitting over there at the desk in the corner. Yeah. And. I mean, those idiots are talking about, they still had it going. It was eight, it was 10 o'clock at night. And they're like, well, we got to get up at eight because we got to be on the golf course, blah, 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 blah. And all through all that. And then finally when it hit, I literally felt so stupid. And I'm literally thinking to myself, now here's the, here's the bigger problem. I got to get those goddamn golf clubs home. Yeah. And now, now I'm trying to hide them, right? I'm, I'm, I'm like covering them with towels and wrapping them in tape. And I'm like, I got to get these suckers home. <laughs> oh, but I, 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 it's a story I, I will never live down. And it, 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 it's, it goes into the, uh, the, the annals of, of, oh, yeah. of, of athletic training history. I can yeah. tell you that there aren't very many people that say, can say they took their golf clubs on a football team trip to, to yeah. wherever they went. Yeah. Syracuse. I think it was, was it Syracuse? Yeah. Oh yeah. The orange course. I can yeah. I, listen. It's still vivid in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> well good that was awesome from your from brian jones perspective um yeah did tex say anything to you oh of course in typical tex fashion he was sitting there he's like why do you think you need to bring your golf clubs on a goddamn football trip you dumbass i mean you know i can still i mean i i I'm sitting in a corner i can see the troy i can still see the room and that was 30 years ago or yeah. whatever that, that that room that said oh i was so blessed mad at them yeah <laughs> and and that's a, you know again as as much as we've all been uh and and i have been too and i'm trying to think of some some of the things that, that i'll share later but i mean that that they that they well i mean 
for me, they sent me in Kansas City. They they told me we were having the alumni party at Dixie Bell, and at this bar called the Dixie Bell. And I got in the cab and said, "All right, I'm I need to go to the Dixie Bell." And the cab driver goes, "I don't think you look like the person people that <laughs> would go to a place like that." <laughs> oh, shit. And I said, "No, no, it's there." And he goes, "I'm not taking you there." He goes, "You you can get out or you can." you need to you where they're at phone call yeah, yeah you'll make, make a phone call, call but yeah i'm not i mean he was god bless him for for uh <laughs> for not, well, and, for not following know, instructions I, the, the thing that the thing that those stories and we may have gone a little further than we can today but i still try to do the same thing here yeah with my team now as hard as you work if you're not connected together as a family and you don't have fun with each other at the office yeah this 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 job gets real old I mean, and, and, you know, we, we work too hard, too many hours, too long together that I don't consider it work. You know, I come to the office and, and I love it here. And I think our staff does, but we have fun. We do, yeah. we, like I said, we may not tell folks to take their golf co- you know, club someplace, right. but you know, we do, we do some crazy stuff. You know, my assistant director and my right and left hand, Brad Pearson hates his birthdays. He just had his birthday this week. I mean, yeah. we made a big deal out of that. I mean, you know, we're singing happy birthday and there's a cake and there's all crust. Cr- they've stuffed his room, you know, his office with balloons yeah. before. <laughs> I mean, it, it's fun things like that, that right. we've done that you have to have fun. I mean, right. you, you, you have to have fun. And I think once again, that's a learned trait, right? Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, as you remember, you know, part of being who we are in athletic training, I'm sure we talked about students you know, there were students in my, in my, uh, in my class that, that, that were ACE clinical, you know, uh, right. you know, people, they aced our, every Arnheim test. They understood the front and back of the rehab book. You know, they were, they aced the board, you know, of certification exam, but they couldn't deal with people and they couldn't manage their way out of a wet paper bag. Right. Well, I sure the hell know what kind of athletic trainer I want working with my kid, right. you know, and, and, and that's the kid, the, the, the person that understands both. Um, and I think we, we learn those skills, you know, whether we like it or not. Um, you know, I think you learn not only your clinical skills, but you learn how to be a better human uh, and, and, and through those interactions. But those stories, uh, that, that golf club thing, I'll never live down. And, it, you know, as much as I hated them about it, it's, it's to this day one of the highlights of my career because I laugh about it all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for giving us the flip side of that. From, from your perspective, because it kind of comes full circle now with, with what uh, what they said on their podcast. So Yeah, I listened to it. I was on the damn, uh, uh, on the bus going somewhere, and I listened to it afterwards, <laughs> and I literally, I was, put it this way, if their ears weren't burning, I think I texted them all during, uh, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I had some really nice, heartfelt words to say, but I really had some four-letter words in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, part two's coming, but um, uh, I got to get them together to do that, but. Gotcha. So, so you, you, you graduate from Ball State. Yep. I mean, what, what else, I mean, was Michigan State going to be the place that you were going? Were you looking at a couple other places? What's the story behind that? No, as crazy as it sounds, you know, I, 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 there was talk with Tony to, you know, maybe following your footsteps out in Utah, uh, you know, uh, and uh, looking out West and, you know, I had some significant interest in that. I, I really thought that that would be a good place for me. And so, uh, you know, I had some early conversations, I think, with you and some folks out there. And, yeah. and then, uh, you know, my senior year, my mom was diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis. Okay. And uh, the uncertainty of that, 
just changed my perspective. You know, family was, you know, really, really important. And it still is to me. And I, as a, the oldest son with no father really figure in my life uh, at that point in time, uh, besides my mentors, my dad was involved a little bit, but not really. And, you know, I looked up at a lot of other folks for that. And and I said, I, I'm not moving across the country right now because I have no idea what's going to happen to mom and what she's going to need. Um, and so, uh, started looking and I'll be damned if, uh, you know, Rex didn't talk to Tom McCoyack, right. uh, and said, uh, former ball stater himself and, and yeah. said, Hey, we have a GA spot open. And Rex told me about it. And I said, no way. I said, really? I mean, that's like two and a half hours from home. It's two and a half hours from here. Right. And, uh, went up there and interviewed, uh, with, with, with Tom and Jeff and Sally and Dave and, and, and Holly and those folks up there. And it, it just, it, it was a, sometimes they, they say God puts things in your life for a reason. That right. was one of them. Yeah. That was one of them. Yeah. So, so in your, so in your time there, what, what did you do there? So my two years at, at, at Michigan state really spent, uh, you know, my first year or so was spent uh, in our, in the, in the Olympic facility working in over in Jenison. It's had a great experience with, with Holly Savannah and, and really kind of helped supervise a lot of different sports really wasn't, it was a new position that they created yeah. uh, to kind of, because Holly was working part-time at the time. And so uh, I, I kind of did some supervisory, 100,000 feet, you know, uh, things worked a lot with a lot of the GAs who were interacting those sports. And that was really a unique experience for me because I was able to get my hands on a lot of different things, interact with a lot of different coaches, a lot of different positions. Um, and then by the late in the spring of that year, it became kind of pretty evident that they wanted myself to move over to football. Right. And so kind of in the spring kind of transitioned over that way and then spent the entire summer working football and then the entire next year, uh, uh, working, uh, with Spartan football. And that experience to me was another that I'll never forget. I mean, it was an unbelievable experience to learn from some fantastic athletic trainers. Um, but it also gave me the insight that football wasn't for me. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I like, I love the game. I love to watch it. Uh, but the ins and outs and the day-to-day grind of college football just wasn't for me. Um, and I knew that, uh, you know, college basketball was going to be my drive. And so, you know, those two years at Michigan state came with a lot of education, a lot of fun as well. You know, we look back on our GAA experience. That's another thing that I'm concerned about with our new young, you know, youth, of how much we learned from, you know, athletic training and experiences right. through our GA experience. But, you know, from manual medicine skills to, to, to everything that we were able to interact uh, with the athletic training staff, um, you know, you look now and, and uh, of who's in that hall of fame and, and Dave Carrier and Sally Noble. I mean, I, it's not very often that you can say you, you mentored under two hall of fame athletic trainers. Right. Um, and that, uh, that on top of what I came from at ball state was, damn, I'm not sure how this could get any better. Right. I mean, every move I <laughs> yeah. make, it's like, yeah. this only gets better and better and better. And, and, and the foundation that I had and, and moving there, but it, it just so happened after those two years that, you know, uh, a, a position opened uh, here at Toledo. And I, I knew Dave Huffsteller from my time at Ball State. Coach Saban at the time had just left Toledo, you know, the year before he was a football coach at Michigan State at the time. Um, you know, I walked into Coach Saban's office and said, Coach, I, I think I'd, I'd like to apply for the Toledo job. And he said, sit down, Jones. And he picked up the phone and called Frank Horton, who was our president here at the university at that time. Yeah. And he said, hey, listen, I got this trainer you got to hire. 
you know, and the president at the time probably has no idea who an athletic trainer was. I think our presidents <laughs> now do, right? But Frank, I could hear him on the other line say, Nick, what are you talking about, right? I mean, he's like, <laughs> but needless to say, Coach Joplin, you know, was a mission yeah. stater. Stan was assistant under Tom Izzo, and I was our head coach at the time here. It was one of those perfect storms where I came down and met with Dave and 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 a life just aligned again, right? I mean, yeah. I've been, every move I've made in my career has only made me a better athletic trainer and a better person. And uh, I think a lot of that is is just credit to the circumstances that I was placed in and and the folks that mentored me. And, and you know, it's crazy to think, but, you know, in August, I will start year 25 here at Toledo. Yeah. I mean, that, that just baffles my mind that I, that I'd be here that long. Um, but there isn't a day that I would give back. I mean, uh, you know, I, I tell my staff and I think, you know, you heard my, me present at the max sports medicine meeting, you know, five years into my career, I was working power five basketball, or I was going to be the director of sports medicine at some big old school and this and that or whatever. And your, 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 your goals and priorities change. Yeah. And if, if your goals and priorities don't change with your circumstances and your surroundings and what's important, then you may not be doing things for the right reason. Right. And, uh, and I think that's what's, uh, you know, done, that's what we've been able to do here. We've been able to build here at Toledo. Um, you know, my family, my wife, uh, you know, she played basketball here at UT. Hell, she's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, we're both kind of part of the bricks and mortar of this place right now, right? I mean, right. my kids grew up here. They grew up, you know, one of the things when my son started going through the collegiate process, Troy, was we didn't tell him he had to go to Toledo. But you think about that. The only thing that 18-year-old kid knew was Rocket Athletics. Yeah, That's all he knew. I mean, I, I've been here the entire, so he grew up in the training room. We have baby yeah. pictures of both kids sitting at center court. I mean, you know, we wanted him to go experience something else. And he just, he said, no, dad, I want to go to UT. This has been a part of my life and that's where I want to go. So a, a place can impact you. Mm -hmm. That's what I think Ball State has done. That's why our Ball yeah. State family is so strong. My concern is, is it falling apart? And that may be something that nobody has any control over because our students have changed. Our staffing has changed. Those folks that did have and were significantly impacted are getting older. Unfortunately, some are passing away. Um, I, I worry what, what it looks like and, and, and will that camaraderie and will those folks, will, will they have what I have at Toledo, what we have at Ball State in 20 years? Well, I don't know. I, I, that, and that, that, get, that concerns me for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah. Kind of paint me a picture a little bit. I mean, 25 years ago, you show up on the campus at Toledo. How many staff people are there? How many GAs did you have? And then what do you have now? Because I think yeah, that's, like, that, that's an important thing that people have to understand that, that that time frame, you know, things have changed, but things also grow. And kind of talk to us about, about a little bit about how you've grown this a little bit. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, you don't do that overnight, right? I mean, when I started at Toledo, uh, there were three athletic trainers. Dave Hupsteller was my boss. Yeah, uh, It was myself and one of the, 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 the most wittiest, funny uh, female athletic trainers that I've ever had an opportunity to work with, a lady by the name of Desiree Hillman. Yeah. Desiree was my wife's athletic trainer. Um, my wife has way more stories, obviously, than I do of Des. <laughs> but let me tell you, there's some funny ones. Yeah. Um, and uh, But the three of us, and, and at the time, we had like one or two doctoral GAs that were kind of half in our program, half not. 
they worked yeah. like they kind of covered track and field and this and that or whatever. And then we kind of started to grow the staff, right? I mean, it, it started to slowly but surely grow. And we added, uh, you know, some, uh, a couple young females and, and then was able to expand the staff a little bit. Um, and then as we continued to, to kind of make some changes, we were able to add on some additional graduate assistant athletic trainers from some partnerships with our education program. And so things started to grow and we got to the point where, you know, we started adding staff and we realized that, um, you know, the demands were different. People were yeah. practicing. And hell, when I started here, I started working football. Then I, then I transitioned in over to help with women's soccer. And then when women's soccer would be over, I'd immediately trans transition into uh, men's basketball, right. work men's basketball, literally work my last game and talk about student supervision, why I'm working my last game or still playing into March. <laughs> I had a student, probably who was a senior covering baseball at the time. Yeah. And then I'd literally leave football and walk go right over and work baseball. And so, uh, you know, one of the things I've joked about all the time, that's why my Marin works in indoor sport. The weather never changes inside. It's always yeah. 72 and nice and cool. I, I don't want to freeze. I, I was done freezing oh. my ass off outside in, in November in football and in March in, in baseball. No, I'm not doing, I'm too damn old. To do yeah. That. And, uh, but no, now what we've done is, is we have a, I, I have a staff of, uh, of 10 full-time certified athletic yeah. trainers, three graduate assistants, a full-time insurance coordinator, a physical therapist. Um, but you know, you and I've talked about this before. What folks don't understand is that doesn't happen while throwing some pixie dust in the air or waving a magic wand. Right. That helping that happened by building relationships with your physicians, with your administration, and realizing that creating value in what you do. And and I think that to me is still one of the things that I try to instill in all of my young staff is is that it's just not about taking care of your 26 student athletes or whatever number that is, but you've got to make an impact, make an impact in your institution somewhere. If you're at a high school, get to know the AD, get to know the, the school nurse. If you're at a, a, a you know, a, a collegiate level, get to know your AD, get to know your SWA, get involved in your DIE community across campus. I don't know what it is you're going to do, but right. you've got to find a way to get involved because if you just sit in your office and tape ankles and throw water around, yeah, you can do a good job, but I'm not sure that that's going to be very fulfilling of your career. Yeah, no, and I, it kind of in the same lines, like I tell, I would tell young athletic trainers, you know, take care of your team, but make sure you take care of your coaching staff yeah. because you take care of your coaching staff and take care of their families. And suddenly you become invaluable and you make other connections, other places and, and even across campus, you know, and bringing people in, you know, if I get a phone call in the office here and it's a professor that says, Hey, I did this. Can, can I come over and bend your ear for a couple minutes or something about something? I've never turned that down because it's, it's an opportunity to like, you just talked about connect, involve, get other people involved with stuff. And, and, um, and so they can better understand what your needs are because. Well, someone... And I, we did that, you know, I did that this year with our president, right? Oh, we have a new president. It's been here uh, a little over two years and, and I've built a really strong relationship with him and, and he's a, a, a wonderful gentleman. And I've, I respect the hell out of him. And just by building those relationships through COVID and, and being, you know, being on the COVID task force for the institution and offering my opinion and sometimes not being afraid to push back. Right. You know, right. and, and making sure my voice is heard for our student athletes and what's happening and what's occurring. And we may not always see eye to eye and that's OK. But by doing so, 
I was the sole representative in the athletic department on the search committee to search to hire our new athletic director. Well, that didn't happen because I was an athletic trainer that, you know, has been here 24 years. Right. It happened because we, I've, I've made my name. I've, I've, I've built relationships. I've, I've leaned on folks and that becomes a two way street. And therefore we want to put Brian on this committee and, you know, I, I'm still honored and humbled that I, I was even had a part of that. I mean, right. it's not every day that that occurs, right? Um, yeah. and, and so to me, that was, uh, you know, just a very humbling uh, opportunity, but it was about the future, right? I mean, we wanted to hire a good AD to, to take Toledo forward because, you know, this is a special place for me. Um, and so uh, those things are, I, I hope are, are, I'm trying to ingrain in my young staff now because I don't have students. And so I want to help my young staff as they continue on in their career. And hell, I'll turn 50 next month. I'd like to think I'm still young. I got something left in the tank. No, no, um, yeah, you yeah. Know, I'm not taking my golf clubs to Syracuse, but. I, <laughs> no, no, you, you definitely are. I mean, and that's, it, and that's a, you know, that's, I think that's where we're all, a lot of us are at right now is that there's a lot of emphasis, I think, on uh, within, within our professional organization, whatever you want to say about, you know, young young athletic trainers and, 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 and that's great. I think it's how you grow, whatever you need to grow to, you know, and for the longest time, there wasn't anything like that, but there's still some wisdom that needs to be dispensed by us old dudes every now and then. And a little bit happens in this podcast, but, but, uh, but, you know, I think we all still want to feel relevant and needed. And, and, um, and I think you're right. I mean, your young staff, you know, we have, the kind of the semblance of a young staff here um, and, and trying to dispense that wisdom and, and that expertise in, in measures that they would hopefully understand that they don't have to do what we say or what we suggest, but they would be listening. And, yeah. and maybe somewhere down the line, they might go, Oh yeah, they said something about this one time and it was helpful. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the biggest thing with that is, is that you're absolutely right. Becoming involved um, where you're landing where you're at and then um getting that that getting those young folks to to listen you listen to them at the same time hopefully they listen to you and right and, no, absolutely we, we exchange some great ideas with that so yeah um i'm trying to think here what um in your career um and you you've you've had a you know you, i'm not gonna say I'm not gonna use that as a long career, but but you you have you've definitely seen a lot of things. What couple of things have been most impactful on you as an athletic trainer? Boy, you know, I, I think you know one of the things that I'll that'll always be impactful in my career is is you know the death of of, of my basketball student athlete in 2006. I mean, I think to me that that was one of those deals that, uh, you know, rattled me professionally and personally to the core. Um, you know, we get into this business, right? I mean, we know how to react in an emergency. We practice it over and over again. Um, but typically we're dealing with 18 to 22 year old healthy individuals that aren't supposed to die. Right. right. I mean, so uh, you know, you, if you're an ER nurse or an ICU nurse, that might be something you, you get into and you plan, plan for and train for and this and that or whatever. Um, but performing CPR on, in a scenario where a student athlete is not there 
riding in the back of an ambulance with them while the EMTs are trying to revive him. Yeah. Wheeling yeah. them into the ER, into a trauma room, cracking his chest. I, I, it rattled me to the core. Um, but, you know, I'll never forget our head team physician and, uh, you know, our, our, our president, our, our, our vice president for medical affairs were unbelievably supportive of me through that process. And one of the things that they said was, Brian, you have to take some time. And, and I said, with, you know, with all due respect, Dr. Cruz and Dr. Gold, you know, I, I, I need those other 13 athletes that are on my men's basketball team just as much as they need me right now. And if we don't navigate this road together, then it's going to be harder on both of us. Right, and right. so I can, at the time, right? I mean, you, you, you're, you had a, a sailor die on the ship, right? And I said, right. I'm the captain of the ship. And the captain can't just disband the other sailors because the ship's got to move on. We can't just stop everything. And navigating that road and being a part of that was probably one of the most impactful things in my career. Um, you know, uh, I, it, it still haunts me to this day. Could we have done things better? I, I, you know, after all the, the you know, the, 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 the dust settled and we did things the right way. And it was a weird anomaly that no one would have ever caught. And it, it just, a, a, just a weird scenario. Right. But that to me probably is the most impactful thing personally and professionally that I've ever been through. Um, and I never want ever any athletic trainer ever to go through that again, uh, because it, it's something that, you know, still it, it impacts me tremendously. Um, but I've learned so much from it. I've learned, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, how to be a better clinician. I've learned how to be a better athletic trainer, a better person. Um, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, you, you go beyond that. It, it's really, you know, I, I think in my career now in 24 years of college basketball, I've missed four men's basketball games. Okay. Two were for the birth of my children and two were due to freaking COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other thing that, that, that impacted my career was getting married and having kids. Yeah. And realizing that at the end of the day, this job, it's really important and I want to make an impact. But what what happens at home with my wife and kids is is so much more important. You know, I look back and how we were involved with, uh, you know. Uh, uh, are you there, Troy? Oh, yeah. Am, am okay. I gone? I, I froze all of a sudden. So I got okay. you know, I got a I, I got a, my computer yelled at me. But anyway, you know, what we did and growing up with Audrey and, and, and the boys, you know, with Rex and, and, you know, we were at their birthday parties and things like that. Right. You know, I, I try to do that now with my staff. I want my kids, I want my staff around because I want them to never realize that that family isn't important. Right. And I'm never going to tell you that you can't go to your sister's wedding or you can't be at, you know, uh, your best friend in college's uh, bachelor party. If it's important to you, then we'll find a way to make it happen. Right. And I think I learned that. And I think that to me has probably been the most impactful thing, you know, beyond those major clinical issues as an athletic trainer is, is that don't ever forget that that family first. And that was our model this year, um, you know, especially coming off of COVID. You know, we all realized that. And for those two years that we were home and stuck and dealing with all sorts of crap, 
we relied our lots on our family and, and I don't want to lose that. And I don't want our staff and I don't want our, our profession to ever lose that moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, it does. It changes, it, you know, it, it changes stuff in the capacity of, of you, you back when you were young and, and um, ambitious and it was like, it was all about climbing that ladder. Like you talked about in the Mac talk, you know, you're going to be at a power five school in five years yeah. and you're going to do this because that's all you had to live for. And then all of a sudden you get married and, and it's okay. I mean, you know, you, you, you're, you're married and you're doing stuff and whatnot, but it's still just you and her. And, um, and then when the kids come along, then it, it's, yeah, when they're babies, they're not really doing a whole lot. But now, yeah. you know, like what I'm facing right now is that, you know, um, you know, they're involved in different things and, and you want to be there for those things. And I think that's the thing where if you've got a great environment and you have a leader like you that says, hey, this is important to you. We're going to find a way to do that. It, it makes the you know, you're we're all trying to strive for the work life balance. And yep. and it it that doesn't happen overnight either. It's, no, it's getting people agree. to understand that, that yes, like you said, care versus coverage, you know, yep. I call it Amen. access, um, whatever it is, it's, it's trying to change that model so that you do have that work-life balance that you can be there for those important moments. Um, and, and I think that you have a great relationship with your men's basketball coach. You know, you're, you're, you're not just coworkers, you're really good friends. And, and he's allowed kind of like my previous coach to like, Hey, why don't you bring your kids on a road trip or, yeah, you know, yeah. and that helps create that environment that is not, it's not, it's, it's unusual to, to be able to include your kids into your, what your life is. And, and that's the yeah. one thing that I'll never forget Whitford telling me, he goes, you know, or it really was Jason Grunkmeyer that said, Hey, they need to see what they, they see you go off and you're gone for a couple of days and then you come back, but they don't really know what's going on. They need to understand that your work is just not in this building. Yep. But it does. It, you go different places and do different things. And so um, that was always, and that's what sucked about this past year, COVID years when we were, you know, they couldn't go along with us. I mean, my, my youngest was the only person that didn't, hasn't gone on a road trip. Right. No, and, I hear you. And he, my hope is, is that that changes, right? I mean, I think we're getting turned in the corner that maybe just, maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's all the time asking me like, what's it like when you go to the hotel and stuff? Cause he, <laughs> he's heard from his brother and sister, like they got a pool and he oh, goes yeah, swimming yeah. and then we oh, go to the yeah. gym, you know? Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, he thinks it's like going to Disneyland and oh it, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a road trip. Yeah, dad still has got, dad still has to work though. At some point I do yeah. have to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you've, you've got this award this year. It's a, and it's a, it's a, very important award. Um, technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. It's okay. It's fine. Even the best podcasts have those. So, <laughs> um, so back to this. You, you, you know, uh, you win this this award this year as the Division One Head Athletic Trainer of the Year. Um, what would you kind of impart? I mean, you've kind of described a lot of, you know, some some advice and wisdom on on a young athletic trainer in the podcast so far but but you know you've won this award what what do you feel like is is kind of the you're gosh i can't even get now i had it all thought out and i can't think it out i can't think (laughs) that that, that threw me off but but what 
if you had to give one piece of advice to a young athletic trainer starting out, what would you give them? I'm going to say it in a story. That's perfect. Don't forget, don't forget to sing Brown Eyed Girl. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, let me tell you the story. And this kind of comes back to where it started, right? So when I graduated from, from Ball State, I had an opportunity to have uh, the staff back in Indiana to come back and, and hang out with me and, and had an opportunity to bring Neil and, and Rex and Tony was supposed to join us, but I ended up having some family issues. So couldn't join us, but Rex and Neil and I uh, were ended up out on and I had a little family party and met all my family and had that opportunity. But we went out on my grandfather's pontoon boat and literally we may have been a bit overserved. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was a beautiful evening and, you know, Neil, of course, got bored through the day and was end up was fishing with pretzels. Cause it was the only thing we had <laughs> on, uh, you know, on the boat at the time. And, you know, as we were getting ready to come back through the lake, the brown eyed girl song, you know, Van Morrison's brown eyed girl, right. And literally the three of us were standing up on the front of the boat, the beautiful sunset. And we're literally singing brown-eyed girl as we're laughing going across the lake right yeah and those I think to me are the moments that you don't want to forget um I don't know if it's just that or if it's just everything associated with that because you know this job is so crazy so stupid at times that it's in those moments that I think you have to breathe And, uh, and, and realize sometimes there's things a hell of a lot more important than just athletic training and, uh, the impact that people make in your life. So to me, it's not this award shit. It's, it's very humbling. And, you know, I'm kind of pissed that yeah, be honest with you at the NATA right now, they get, get me started on that as a side note, because, you know, they've made a financial decision to scrap their people and not recognize committee awards. It's not about me. This is about the, the, what we've built and what we've built together and the ride. It's about the journey for me. So this award isn't about what I've done. It's about what we've done and who we've influenced. And it's about the ride. So as I come back and say, don't forget to sing Brown Eyed Girl, there isn't a day that goes by that Rex and I don't, if we hear that on the, uh, you know, on the dang radio, we take a picture and send that back and forth yeah. or, or, or whatever, because those are the moments that if you don't let those moments go by, work your ass off, you know, uh, have fun and doing what you're doing. But remember at the end of the day that this, you're still a human being before you're an athletic trainer. And uh, if you do that, then I think, I think you'll probably end up with a hell of a career and a hell of a, 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 a hell of a life on the backside of it. Uh, because, uh, you know, like I said before, I'm extremely humbled to be honored by your peers. I take it a step further, right? I mean, Neil was awarded this award two years ago. And so to literally think that I've won the same award that my, one of my mentors has, well, cripe's sake. I mean, like I said, it, you talk about right place, right time, and God putting people in your life to do the right thing. 
I mean, and then, you know, my, my assistant director, I just mentioned Brad Pearson. I mean, Brad wins the staff athletic trainer of the award two years ago. Right. I mean, this award has been by won by three mid American conference folks. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that speaks pretty highly of what we're doing in max sports medicine. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I know that's a long answer. So, uh, but, but I, I literally joke, you know, it, it, don't forget to sing Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah. No, it's uh it's kind of the same advice I give to, to athletic trainers when they find themselves in, in situations like, um, well, I remember a, a couple of years ago, or it might've been last, was it, yeah, it's a couple of years ago, but that Utah had just hired a new athletic trainer for the women's gymnastics team. They made it to the super six. They were like the top three that were predicted to win. And I, I just, I got her email and I said, don't take a moment and stop and look around yeah. and and take in the moment just for that moment because you may never ever get back there again and, right. and I think you're absolutely right you you have to be paying attention to really think about those moments and where you're at and in your case you know it was with two of your best friends you know yeah. when you're starting your career out when you're when you're when you're on the cusp of 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 really kind of taking off it but you don't know it yet yeah and you're just taking this moment to just enjoy the company of some folks that that you really care about and and i think that's the thing sometimes like you said we we get so ingrained in the whole thing that we forget to stop and just take a moment to to realize where we're at and who we're with and just take a breath and enjoy it <laughs> right that's that's exactly and you know i <laughs> those I, I i've had a lot of laughs and a lot of tears uh, at, at certain times yeah when, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I can't I can't eat pretzels or go fishing or hear that song without thinking of that story. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can see Neil like trying to put those stupid pretzels on a hook. I could see that. Like he's like, Oh yeah. Is- and then of course, you know, they're, 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 the, the, the pretzels dry. He's trying to bait it. I mean, he's trying to knot it. I mean, it, oh yeah, it did. It didn't go well, Troy. It didn't go well. And the fact he's probably got a few pops in at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. just a few, just a few. Yeah, yeah. Needless to say, we didn't drive back and forth. I think my my either my grandfather, my uncle, somebody may have been with us, so we didn't, you know, weren't driving when we weren't supposed to or whatever, you know. So right. I wasn't breaking any laws and didn't want to get anybody in a tizzy here. But no, it those uh, that moment, uh, this this award, this opportunity, to be part of this Ball State family to me uh you know is is something that uh i hope we've built i hope in the future that that kids have an opportunity to be a part of because if they don't they're missing out uh because uh i'm a better person you're a better person we all are better people uh because of what happened to us uh as a student as a graduate assistant as a young professional and uh you know if you don't have those mentors in your life to be able to help you through that journey boy number one i i think I feel sorry for you. And number two is, is it makes that journey really damn boring. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's really, you know, and it's, it's interesting that even though we're in different places, like, you know, just when I, when I was down at the race this year, you know, talking to Rex and, and um, we're all in different places, especially in our lives. And, and yet, um, you know, Jessup was down there in Weichel and, 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 um, Miller and and you know we're just talking about stuff and 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 we're but we're still telling stories from when we were all there and laughing about you know some of those stories and situations and whatnot and and um um 
yeah, that was that's part of it. So all right, so this is the last thing. All right, now that yes, I got sir. you, I got you this emotional moment, but oh, now correct. we're gonna laugh because working men's basketball as a student, every student working men's basketball has a plum story. What's yours? Well, there's so many. I'm trying to think of the best one. <laughs> so I think the best one for me is is that uh, you know my uh, I, my family had a uh, a packing business back here that worked for Whirlpool and packaged their uh, you know supplies and things like that. And uh, I remember coming back and and looking at Tony after coming home from a break or something or during the summer job, and I literally said, I brought a wrap a roll of shrink wrap back and it wasn't you know like it, it's the yeah. wrap we typically use right now on our damn you know yeah. student athletes to, to wrap bass bags on and that's like a four inch wrap well this was like a, a, you know a two foot wrap and i brought a ha just the end of a roll home and all i remember is in the middle of winter we you know plumb every day at nine o'clock out the door he goes yeah. coffee right to bob evans we got there that morning and Tony and I and some of the other students, we went out and took that saran wrap. And Troy, we went round and round and round on that. And we wrapped that whole goddamn truck full of plastic wrap. And then, of course, you got to remember that lot in between the arena. Yeah. So we immediately we wrap it, we get done, and we all sprint up top, right? And so we can watch the whole thing. And God forbid, once again, I'd either be fired I wouldn't have made it this far. If we'd have had camera phones back in the day, I think a lot of things would have changed. <laughs> yeah. But we were, he comes shuffling out in his damn cowboy boots in the middle of winter. He's not paying attention, pushing his glasses up. Yeah. And he gets to the truck and does one of the, and can't figure, and it took him like 30 seconds to realize what happened. And then he starts to pull it off and he can't, and it's snowing. <laughs> he can't get it off. <laughs> and we're laughing so hard through that glass window way up high. Yeah, yeah. He hears us and he looks up there. You sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> from, from, you know, it was funny because, because, you know, I, I think it's, it's good again that you're the source. You were the source of all that. So, you know, Rex and Tony and, and on their podcast had mentioned that and Rob Richards, I, I was up in his office um, probably about a, about two or three weeks ago, and he asked me what I've been doing when I was on my leave. And I said, well, I wanted to do a podcast, but nobody was available and all this stuff. He goes, you got a podcast? I'm like, yeah, this is the one you need to listen to. And so I gave him I, I gave him the link to, and he goes, he goes, I was up there. I was out looking out the window at Plum trying to get in his damn car. He goes, it was so damn hilarious. He goes, he was getting so pissed because he had to go to coffee. People were missing him at Bob Evans. Oh, he was, he was so mad. And then we felt bad because right now he's so angry at us and he comes back down and he wouldn't talk and we tried to give him hell. And, you know, and he would, oh, he would, he slammed the door and locked us out of the equipment room. Oh, he was so angry. And then we felt bad. So I'm like, all right, guys, you know, we got to go take this off. Right. Yeah. So we ended up going, taking it off and whatever. And I think within the hour he found out it was off and he was back out the door with coffee. <laughs> Um, but oh Lord, I've, I'll never forget. I came home with that rap and I literally walked in that office and I'm like, guys, here it is. And they're like, oh my Lord. I mean, and when we, we Troy, we went that old red truck that, I mean, yeah. we went round and round and round. And then, then I can't remember who was with me, but we decided, well, round and round ain't good enough. 
So we were standing on each side of the, and we were passing it over the top, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was like, he, I can't imagine. Well, first of all, he's saying a few words about oh, yeah, yeah. athletic trainers and yeah, some, somebody he's mad at some, but just the, the sheer, like, how am I going to get out of this one type look? And on I don't face. know if it, we were laughing or we ended up beating on the wall up there or whatever. Yeah. When he turned and looked up and saw it like that, all, all it, it was <laughs> like we were watching down from the gladiator, you know, the, the yeah. old Rome gladiators. Yeah, and he's exactly. down there. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> but, but once again, there's another one of those deals where it was family, the love. And, and when Dave, Dave passed away, you know, the, right. uh, a few years back it was a piece of you that left, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. the, the stories that the, the, the impact that he made, the laughs that you had, the, the, the crap that you went through together, you know, he needs yeah. a Coke and smoke, you know, I mean, there are a million things. There, there's, yeah. a, there, there's a hundred other stories that we could tell, but I, it was just one of those deals where it, he was part of who we were. Um, and so was Tex, right? I yeah. mean, uh, I still stay in contact with Tex Ritter. I'm sure you do. What yeah. an unbelievable human being, but the stories, the laughs that we used to have, Oh yeah, uh, you know, all those things together. I mean, we didn't even touch on our physicians and I know we're wrapping up. I mean, uh, everybody at, at that Ball State family, I tried to take that and move to Toledo because right. of how much it, it, it impacted me and, and, and how much the future, uh, you know, it, it was it's one of those deals where it was so important for me to, to honor my past by making what we're doing here part of a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, what we don't ever talk about, though, I think, too, um, is that Dave antagonized Tony as much as Tony and Dave, oh, yeah. Tony, yeah. Tony was Tony was always one up on Dave. But Dave antagonized Tony as much as as anybody. I mean, you know, to get back at stuff. I mean, just just it was uh, a two way street. It was a two way street. You oh, know, yeah. I, had an, I had an individual here when I got to Toledo by the, uh, uh, a young man who was an unbelievable rocket by the name of Bobby Graney who uh, was a Down syndrome uh, young man that was uh, worked in our equipment room. And the relationship that I had with, with Bobby uh, uh, was, was something that I, I treasure still to this day. He passed away a few years back, but I still stay in contact with his parents in Florida. And right. because of the impact that, you know, they, they always write Christmas cards and say the impact that you had on Bobby was so strong and blah, blah, have all these nice words. And, and my comment always is no, no, no you're missing the point. It was the impact that Bobby had on me. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. you know, those are the things that I think, as, as you said, you're right. Tony gave it plum a lot of shit, but plum gave, uh, you know, Tony a lot of shit too. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we gave Tex hell Tex gave, you know, Rex a, a lot of hell too. And, yeah. uh, but it sure made those long days a hell of a lot better. Uh, yeah. and they made it more fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, we, yeah, we are getting to our time limit here or whatever, but but um, it was great to have you on here. Congratulations again on your award. I, I really do wish that you could find a way to celebrate somewhere, shape, and, and time and place, um, even unofficially. Um, well, yeah, you know, the good thing about it is you talked about vendors and friends. Troy, you know, are my institution's going to do something for Brad and I here uh, in the month of July and, and really going to do uh, something nice, and we're really appreciative of that. But I just found out this morning that, that uh, you know, Ken Zisholtz, Mile Guard, Paul Calloway, they're really trying to put together a, a little bit of a reception for us. And 
that to me speaks volumes of, of the impact that we've had and, and, and the, and the relationships that we've built. So right. if you're out, if you're out in Philly, uh, I'll have five of my staff there. We're probably going to end up somewhere for a cocktail and I'd love to be able to toast with you. Uh, right. if you're out there, reach, please reach out and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll connect and we'll tell some stories just like we did here today. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that would be awesome. Unfortunately, I'm not going, but that's a whole other story. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think we all could tell those. Yeah, but, uh, but no, we'll get together and do that and, and, um, and, and, and uh, toast you, roast you, whatever it might be. <laughs> <laughs> a combination of both. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Both. Yeah, exactly. But thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for, for doing this because I know we're all very busy and, and um, it means a lot as I'm trying to get this thing going with with uh, interviews and stuff like that and people telling their stories. Um, it was awesome. And and, I'm, and I really appreciate it. Even with the technical difficulties, we'll get those edited out. It's not a big deal. But Fantastic. Troy, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be able to allow me to tell my story and the impact that Ball State has had. And, and uh, I, I wish everybody a, a wonderful summer and uh, stay healthy as we navigate the end of this. And uh, we'll cheers to everybody soon. Yeah. Stay on the line a little bit. So um, we've gone off the roll with Brian Jones. I want to thank Brian for coming on the podcast today. Uh, it was great to sit down with him and, and talk about his story. Um, and he has a he has a really good story of, on his pathway of athletic training. It's unusual that somebody has been at an institution as long as he has in this day and age of athlete, collegiate athletic training. But but he's very loyal, and um, and those people at Toledo are very happy to have him stick around for that. So if you have any more feedback, you can let us know on Off the Roll Podcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Facebook. Um, shoot, some of you even got my number. You can send me a text message. <laughs> That'd be awesome too. So thanks again, Brian, for being on the podcast. Hope everybody have a great day.